The Assistant Deputy Attorney General of British Columbia responsible for the prosecution service issued an unusual statement the other day disputing the catch-and-release phrase, ever so popular in the legislature among other places in our province, saying it's not the province that set the strong presumption in favor of pretrial release and went on to say the system is not broken. Which, of course, does a rather violent departure from a column written by our next guest entitled, Yes, the criminal justice system is broken. Our guest is Les Lane, columnist with the Victoria Times columnist. Welcome back, Les. Good morning. Morning, Sterling. Good to have you with us. Uh, an unusual statement by the Deputy Attorney General responsible for the prosecution service. Was this a political move in response to the pressure the liberals in the legislature have been applying to the government with respect to unsafe streets that is such a mayoralty big deal these days? It's, uh, I think, just a general reaction on the part of the team that he represents, the BC Prosecution Service, to how long has this been running now? A couple of years, it really intensifying urgent concern about street crime and right. just the breakdown of social order. Two specific problems, mostly prolific offenders and um, just random stranger attacks, which I think just terrify most urban dwellers in BC. So that's been running for a while, and a lot of blame and attention has been focused on the prosecution service. So to make a, a shorten the story slightly, the urban mayors are just desperate in BC and they eventually convinced uh, attorney, former attorney general David Eby to do a uh, study of this or commission a quick independent study. Right. Yeah. That was in, that was in the works. And then um, just a, like three months, three weeks ago, the assistant deputy, Mr. Peter Zhuk, very respected prosecutor, by the way, mm -hmm. he just came out of the blue. And this is very unusual for an ADM to step into the middle of a huge political argument. It I know. does not happen very often. That's the job that you'd expect the political leaders to do. But uh, he, I talked to uh, the current attorney general, Murray Rankin. He had nothing to do with this, didn't know what was coming. And this prosecution branch has a lot of independence, so he felt moved to defend that team. And he came out with this uh, lengthy statement, um, basically defending the system, acknowledging some problems, saying they're not BC's fault, and just pressing through with the, the basic, to break it down in the words that you use, the system is not broken, direct quote from right. him. And as, it, as you know, it just, it's counter to, uh, a, a, I don't know, a very prevalent opinion that we've got some very serious problems here. Well, again, and this goes back to the report from Doug Lepard and Amanda Butler that you referenced that's been out ever so quietly released a few weeks ago and really identifies the the frustration and, frankly, fear uh, that's fairly prevalent, especially in urban British Columbia, with respect to uh, repeat offenders, the revolving door at the courthouse, and very little apparent supervision going on. Yeah, that report... Uh, they released a in kind of conventional pattern. They released the executive summary of the Hard Butler report a few weeks ago, and then um, 28 recommendations, which is another clue to how serious it is. Sure, that is a lot. Of, that's a lot. That's what you would call sweeping change. Like basically, there's a lot of things that need fixing here. But but I think the striking thing is that the, an executive summary and the recommendations that's like maybe a third of the report. Last Saturday, a week ago, they released the full report. Right. Saturday morning, nobody's on shift, mm -hmm. paying attention. It kind of raises your eyebrows. And the full report, it, it, it is the most 
serious report card on this NDP government in the last five years. And to me, um, it's devastating. It just magnifies and intensifies the concern. Like the system, there's problems here that uh, really, really need some urgent attention. Right, And And that's what's been occupying the legislature for the last week. Everybody's uh, been landing on this thing. And the government is playing defense all the way and uh, talking about catch and release being a a bumper sticker slogan and really sort of uh, attacking the slogan rather than addressing what the slogan is about. And as you say, it's it's not looking very good on them. What do you suspect is going to evolve out of this, Les? I mean, there is such public focus on this now. And you're right. A lot of the the legals behind our catch-and-release system are federally administered, and, and the, the, gov- the guidelines come from the federal government, but still, uh, at an implementation at a local level, how do you think this is going to roll out? What can we do? Well, if they're paying attention to this thing at all, and I do think now that it has kind of seized their full attention. One would hope. Uh, They've got to wade through 140 pages of detailed analysis of a number of just crippling problems in the system. And I think, uh, just personally, I think they should just drop the argument. I mean, catch and release is an absolutely perfectly apt description of what the system is. And it's weird that Mr. Juke himself acknowledged that. He did an interview with Lepard and Butler. And described, uh, just very briefly said, they don't have access to alternative measures. They only charge the most serious and repetitive cases. They only seek detention when there's no real opportunity or no alternative. If they get detained, we're going to roll up a plea deal. They won't get federal time. They'll do a few months, 18 the most, and then when they get out, the cycle continues. Sure. Close quote. Mm-hmm. Close quote from the ADM of the justice system. What else can you call that but catch and release? Yeah. So I think they have to drop um, the argument about catch and release being a bumper sticker and just get on with these 28 recommendations in full acknowledgement that the criminal justice system is at the end of the line after everything else has failed. Right. And it just you just can't imagine the oceans of money it would take to make a difference and kind of restore some order to the criminal justice system where people aren't so preoccupied with um, how uncertain and dangerous the streets appear to be to many people. Yeah, lots of people aware of this. It's a mayoralty issue. It's a civic election issue here in Vancouver and elsewhere in the province uh, in a couple of weeks' time. It's it's a big deal. Uh, and one can only hope that uh, once uh, Mr. Eby assumes the premier's job as the former attorney general responsible for this file, he may want to do a bit of a deep dive and start fixing things. Les Lane, thanks for this. Always a pleasure to have you on the show, sir. Nice to talk to you. Take care, Sterling. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance (laughs) recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.